Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. All right. Well, last week I started talking on the subject of God wants to promote you. Who likes a promotion? Seven people. That's awesome. Who, who, who would like a promotion right now? <laughs> yes. And somebody said, and with the pay rise, with it, please. So, so in, the, in the Word of God, everybody, and uh, if you're new to church, can I encourage you, if you're new to the things of God and to church, God wants to promote you. In your life, God's given you gifts and talents, and uh, He's put things on your life. We all think everybody's got my gift, everybody's got my talent, but they haven't. Uh, what you have is unique to you, and uh, God's put you on the planet for such a time as this. He's put you in His church for such a time as this. And if you glean that God says, I want to use your life, and you bring it to God humbly, listen, God will do something incredible in you and through you, which is so, so powerful. And, uh, and so I want to encourage everybody today, don't put yourself down. Don't say you haven't got anything because you've got gifts and talents that others around you just don't have. But the devil tells us anybody can do that, but the reality is they can't. I can't do what you can do, and you can't do what I can do. But together, we can do a lot. <laughs> together, we can do it a lot. But you just got to find out what your key gifts are. And as I've said before, if you find out what your number one gift is and you do it, people will pay you for it. As a thought, work out what your number one gift is and do it, and people will pay you for it. Actually, maybe even your number two gift as well, because some people are very gifted. But you've got to work out what you're gifted in, and then you begin to walk in that lane. What's your lane? Find out your lane. This is another sermon for another day, but find out what your lane is. Get in that. Don't try and run in somebody else's lane. You'll be frustrated. People will be frustrated around you. You ever have people, they're all frustrated around you? It's sometimes they're frustrated around you because you're trying to do something you're not called to do. And people are like, mm. but when you're in your lane, we're all cheering. When you're in your lane, everybody's like, this is right. This is the right thing for your life. And uh, people will cheer you on. And as I said, for number one gift, they'll pay you for it because God has given you those gifts. So God wants to promote us, but how do we get to that promotion? The Scriptures tells us in Psalms, promotion comes neither from the uh, east. Where's the east? West is that way, right? West, east. Promotion comes neither from the east or the west or the south, but from the above. So you need to believe, Lord, uh, bring your promotion to me. But how God does it is He does it from a healthy place. A healthy place in your life, in your heart, and in your relationship and walk with Him. This week, we had the state conference for pastors and leaders here who are part of Australian Christian churches down in the city. And uh, they had the biggest conference ever. I think about 1,100 over the whole thing registered to come pastors and leaders for the conference. So that was awesome. So uh, uh, it's very powerful. And then one of the days, we had a session from John Finkelty. For those who remember him, used to be at C3. And John, Pastor John Finkelty got up and he began to talk about how now his role is coming alongside pastors and leaders around the world. So he comes alongside, he does teaching, he does training, and he comes alongside pastors. And he brought out for all the pastors the fact that he gets to go to different churches and everybody needs to realize every church is unique, every church has a unique calling, every church has a unique destiny. But he said he's been to some churches that are really big, and I think um, probably 
uh, in America he's talking about and in other places and also in Australia. He's been in some churches, he said, and he said, I love the praise, I love the worship and the lighting. And he said, I thought this is amazing, this is incredible. He said, but when I lifted the bonnet of that church, it was unhealthy. And he goes, I was like mesmerized by the lights, the people, excitement. He goes, but as soon as I got to the health of the people, he was like, whoa. He said, it was like looking at a very shiny car that you pull the bonnet up, but underneath all the, the motor works were bad. And, uh, and he said, that's the case sometimes when he goes to church. He said, don't get enamored with all the shiny ones because it may not be healthy. And uh, sometimes we hear, you know, people say, oh, healthy things grow, healthy things. And they're saying, if your church is not growing, it's healthy. Well, you know, tumors grow. Goiters grow. Uh, you can get a skin disease that grows, fungus grows. There's a lot of things that grow that aren't good. But sometimes people say, oh, no, but it's healthy, it's growing. Maybe not. Sometimes in God's economy, if you're growing, you kind of can be going backwards for a while. And sometimes, you know, uh, in actual fact, sometimes you can tell more about who's leaving a church than you can, can tell about by who's joining it. Because if you're, in, if you're uh, being challenged to be healthy, according to Scripture, sometimes people are going to find the church that there is no challenge to grow. And, uh, and I would think people would leave our church because the pastoral team is fairly insightful. If you don't want insightful pastors around you, we're not your church. <laughs> well, we're not. You'd have to find a church where the pastors are lovely people but have no insight because not everybody has come from the place that we all started, the majority, and uh, brokenness and also gifts of insight and discernment. So if you want a pastoral team that hasn't got a clue, we're not your church. Because I was born at night but not last night. And my father helped develop the discernment gift I already had. So when I meet most people, I already got a clue about who they are. But that's helpful because I can say to you, head in that direction. Pastor Spence came on holidays. I said, come on my staff because already I could discern where he was at. I could, you know, you want that in your life. That's why God puts people around us to help us get to our destiny who've got insight, not to pull us back, but to help us go forward. So that's why, you know, now I've become like dad. Now I'm becoming spiritual granddad. What's happening there? Jeepers. That's gone so quick. Now I become the spiritual granddad. But I can say to people, hey, listen, go fast. You're ready to go. Or I can say, go slow. Because of discernment and then 40 years of salvation. <laughs> so, yeah, so you want that in your life. That's why people, you know, you need to ask people around you, what do you see? Where do you see I'm at? Because there's people around you who've got eyesight. You know, when I started out in ministry, I would have had a 30-degree view of the kingdom. 30-degree. And, uh, but now, my, I'm, I haven't got 360, but I'm getting up there with the 270 probably. Because you've got 40 years. And you've been leading churches and planning churches. So if you've, got a, if you've been serving the Lord, you'll have some view, but you may not have a 270. So God will put some people around you to help go, hey, you need to see this. And it's always to help you be promoted. 1 Peter 5 of 6 says this. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I was telling us there very powerfully, therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may promote you, exalt you in due time. So the Bible was telling us God does the promoting. He does the exalting, but we do the humbling. And humbling means that we are developing meekness, softness, easy to be entreated. I always um, like the Mrs. Doubtfire movie. 
<laughs> Who likes Mrs. Doubtfire? Such a funny movie that comes out probably once every two years, you know. But uh, I always like when she's looking for somebody to come and look after the children uh, and she's trying to advertise for a nanny and the nannies start applying for the role of looking after Mrs. Doubtfire's children in the movie. And she's on, and the, Sally Field, who's playing the mother, is on the phone and she's talking to people who are applying to be the nanny of her children. And the, this is what they say, I don't do cooking, I don't do cleaning, I don't do... The, and then uh, Sally Field, who's the mother in the movie, goes, uh, thanks, I'll get back to you. Well, a lot of Christians, we're like that. I don't do serving, I don't do helping, I don't do teachable, but God, use me when you're ready. <laughs> and the Lord, the same as Sally Field, uh, I'll get back to you. We need to say, Lord, I'm humbling myself, and humbling means I'm easy to be entreated. I'm meek, and if you were here last week, it literally means non-resistant. Husbands, look straight ahead, because your wife is thinking right now, he needs work. Non-resistant. Humility means non-resistant. I need to say it again. Humility means non-resistant. That means that we're developing, I'm open and I'm available to change. I'm open and I'm available to change. If you want to have spiritual promotion, I don't know about you, I don't care about what job. I worked to companies, I was in management, Sydney's biggest hospital years ago, potential, potential, potential. I couldn't care less about those things ultimately, the car or the house. Ultimately, I couldn't care less. It's am I fulfilling God's plan for my life? <laughs> die with the money, die with the house, whatever, couldn't care. But what I do care about is am I fulfilling God's call and plan? And am I setting my boys, and now my grandson, did you know I have a grandson, Joel? <laughs> am I setting Joel up? And then Jordan Bianca's child, is it a boy, is it a girl? Am I setting them up? Not to just, hey, they studied, isn't that amazing? Hey, they had a house, isn't that amazing? Look, all those things are nice, but not important. Are they in God's calling? So where is my faithful helper, Cain? Where are you? Here he is. When you see Cain, you just smile, don't you? He just make, is a person who makes you smile. <laughs> okay, so do you know the word sin? The word sin, one of the definitions of the word sin, we all think, oh, sin, I know it. I do it every day. <laughs> but, but sin is not just doing bad stuff. Sin, one of the definitions is to miss the mark for your life. So God wants you to hit the target. Just hold that up, Ken, can you? Actually, can I throw it at you? <laughs> have faith have faith anyway but so, so next next service i'm going to get further back in the 12 all right okay he goes do it look at this you're a wild man so so sin means to miss the mark so everybody listen every christian god has a bullseye for your life just turn around so he says here's a bullseye for your life now, that bullseye is not you being a perfect person. There's no perfect people. The bullseye is the fact that God uses us imperfectly. He's perfecting us as we go, but he's got something for you to do in every season. 
every season of life. So he's trying to get us to this. So sin means to miss the mark. So I've got to say, Lord, help me to humble myself because in my I know better, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not changing. No, I don't do cooking. No, I don't do babysitting. No, I don't do cleaning. No, I don't do global kids. No, I don't do the car park. No, I don't do hospitality. No, I don't serve in the Bible college. No, I don't do that. I'm actually sinning and missing the mark when God's saying, I want you up here. Heading to your calling where we're all like, how awesome. Let's cheer you on. You are moving into what you're meant to do. So Pastor Spencer, Friday night message was brilliant. Friday night, get that message. If you're uh, from a broken background, absolutely perfect, fantastic message. But Pastor Spencer started out as a drug addict. He started off, he wasn't even on the board. <laughs> he wasn't even on the board. So, and so can I just say, some of you are from Christian backgrounds. What are you doing? Why is it that God's always got to go to drug addicts to use when there are people being raised generationally by Christian parents who still aren't on the board themselves? God gave you Christian parents to launch you, not for you to sit down. I'm surprised how many churches I go to and God's got to get a crack addict, psycho from psycho family, Luke, well, what a mess. Anyway, but <laughs> Liam, with, who saw Liam with the dreads and the guns? This is God's answer for you. <laughs> and then all the people who had Christian parents, they're all like down here in church every week. God's like, people, you missed it. Your parents were setting a platform for you to get on here, they got you there. You're meant to now be heading there. One more go? No. <laughs> Give Kane a big hand. Thank you, Kane. Champion. So health, everybody. Here's a healthy church. When the believers of that church are getting understanding to the fact that God has been either saving you, us wild background people, no Christian background, and, uh, or you have Christian parents, that we might be on the board heading to what he's got for us. Humble yourself under his mighty hand that he can lift you up in due season. So God's wanting to develop our character, right? And here's the thought, humility brings promotion. When you're easy to be treated, when you're non-resistant, <laughs> I laugh about that because I was a non-resistant person. I'm sorry, a resistant person. Like, I'm not doing that. Heck no. You guys heard me with Tenacious House. That took four years. <laughs> but at least I did it. But when God told me to start Tenacious House after my dad being an abusive alcoholic, I was like, start it yourself. <laughs> so we're like, Pastor George, you can't say that to the Lord. He knows me. <laughs> but eventually I go, all right. The two sons in the scripture, I think it's Matthew 21. One said, I will go, Lord, here, here art thou servant. Never went. Then there's me and my friends. I'm not doing that. No way. Then down the track I go, nevertheless, Lord, your will be done. <laughs> Grace before it. Amen. Then as I head off into it, I'm blessed. I head off, bypass my fears and my control. 
then I'm off and I'm blessed. Humility brings promotion, favor, opportunity. I'm going to use my word for another month or two. Serendipitous. Serendipity. Right people, right moment, right time. God wants to bring the right people, the right moments, the right time to your life. And, uh, and in that way, too, he's keeping out the wrong people, which is good. Everybody, look in your life for the God moments. Did you know there are God moments all the time? We confuse God moments with our own, you know, my upset, my something I want. No, no, look for the Holy Spirit. Look for God in a situation, God in your job, God in your business, God in your family, God in church, God with that person, God with the difficulty. Sometimes if God can't get our attention, he won't send any bad stuff to you. God doesn't send sickness to people, by the way, in case you're wondering. He doesn't. But God will allow something at times because he's wanting to say something to us through that situation. Sometimes in my most painful thing that happened to me, God was shouting something at me. I was like, Lord, this is so painful. But God roused my attention by the pain. He shouted something to me. And, uh, and he, was also, he was shouting at me too, don't waste your life. Everybody, God's shouting at us, don't waste your life. Don't waste it. Because I want to use you and your humility is going to bring about promotion. Friday night, Pastor Spencer shared a great scripture and I nicked it for this morning's service. You can't nick the Bible, right? But Isaiah 55 said this and Spencer read it and I just thought, there it is again. Verse 2 to 3. It says, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor, why are you laboring on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but in two verses, God said, open your ears four times. Did anybody see that? God says four times. Friday night, I was like, boom. In the scriptures, Pastor Spencer read, that God is saying to me four times, open your spiritual ears, you're not listening. So God is saying to all of us, open your spiritual ears, you're not yet listening. So I've got to say it not once, but four, in the hope that you may get it on the fourth go round. Everybody, we need to say, Lord, help me not to be the person that you've got to say it to four times. Because look what God says, you're doing things that are not satisfying you. Um... But if you listen to me, you're going to eat what's good and you're going to delight in the richest affair. You're going to delight in what I'm doing in and through your life. So he says, come to me, give ear, listen again. There's the last two times that you may live. And here's what I discovered. Outside of Christ, you exist. You do a job, try and pay your gas bill, go to work on Monday. You know, it's all existing. And then when you listen to God, you, you start to come alive. You start to come alive and God begins to speak to you. So everybody, we need to start to listen. I had to learn to listen years ago because I had made up my mind. Life had been so difficult. My childhood was so tough. My dad was so abusive that I kind of shut down and had opinions about everything. And, uh, and then I ended up, three pastors telling me I was called to go to Bible college. I ended up going to Bible college. And at the end of the Bible college, I was really shocked when Brian Houston, who's now, you know, it was Hills Christian Life Center in those days, became Hillsong Church. When Brian Houston came and said to me, I want to offer you an internship to come on a pastoral program uh, for ministry at the church. And I was like, are you serious? 
I'm like, do you know who you're asking to do this? <laughs> so I was like, oh, my goodness. So I had three pastors tell me to go to Bible college. I loved Bible college, by the way. And then, then they're asking me now to come and do a pastoral internship. So after that, I'm thinking, oh, wow, well, you must see something that I'm not seeing, even though I did love God. And by now, I really did care about people too. God had changed my heart. And I'd, so- I'd soften my heart to love what God loves. You've got to hate what God hates and love what God loves. God loves his people. And so I said, Lord, help me to love your people and love your church. Then Brian says this to me. You ready for it? He said, I want to offer you the internship, but you do know your reputation goes before you. I'm 25. I'm going, hmm? So I'm smiling and thinking, what's he talking about? And he says, you do know your reputation goes before you, Jared. And I went, what is it? So I started out right. I got saved and then went to a church at the base of the Blue Mountains with Steve Kelly. And I go, what's the reputation? He goes, that you're independent, opinionated, and you don't do team. And immediately, I wanted what you want, names. (laughs) Who has said this? That's what I'm thinking. But I was just sitting there trying to keep my, you know, the Christian look happening. (laughs) But on the inside, I'm thinking, I want to punch you. (laughs) And my big moment, big God moment. This is a huge God moment, and all I want to do is punch him. Anyway, so I said, what do you mean? And he said, you, uh, you got a reputation, and from Penrith, you got a reputation. You just do your own thing. You're very opinionated, and you don't do team. And the kingdom is all about team. That means swallowing your opinion, learning on the team, and, uh, and uh, losing independence. He says, I like your strength. You can do it alone if you need to, but you need to be interdependent, where you're playing your part on a big team, but you're doing it in unity with everybody else. <sighs> and he said, do you think you can do that? And I'm thinking to myself, I never knew that I needed to change anything. Yes, I said, okay. So I said, I hope I can. I don't know, but I said, I hope that God will help me to do that. And then I walked out of the office and thought, I'm never going back to church. (laughs) But I did go back to church. And uh, when I went back to church, I one day read Proverbs 5, not far after, and it said right into my heart, God's word's always there amazingly at the right time. It said, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. And I was like, Lord, help me now to make a change at 25 to begin to listen to the voice of my teachers and begin to not just lean in, but lean in and grab wisdom and then put in my life and apply it. We hear a lot of church, you hear a lot of speakers lean in. Look, it's not just about the leaning in. Leaning in can be nothing. You gotta lean in and grab, put in your heart, put in your thinking, then hopefully it'll go from your thinking back into your heart so that there's change happening. I discovered it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Where are my friends? Don't raise your hands. Listening increases understanding and brings new life. Wow. And I was about to learn that God was saying to me, you've got 
two ears and one mouth for a reason. I need you to listen. And uh, if you heard my story before, I was in a meeting once and I'm an intern pastor and they had this situation they couldn't solve. And I thought, I know the answer to that. I'll just say it. And I went to say it and I know it was the Lord because I would never think of saying this to me. And I heard the Lord say to me, if I need to hear from you, Jared, I'll ring a bell. <laughs> and so I withdrew my comment before it came out of my mouth and just sat there and thought, the Lord has, is definitely telling me it's not my moment to be speaking. It's my moment to be listening. Listen, I've discovered through the seasons of life, there are real moments just to listen and not to talk. The Bible says if you want to appear wise, don't speak. So I was appearing. <laughs> they were like, Jared's growing. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> he's, like, he's just looking the part. But I'm hoping I get somewhere. But as I learned to be quiet around those who are ahead of me in the spiritual life, in the Christian life, then God began to, in time, give me some wisdom. Have you ever said words and they came out of your mouth and, it was, and everybody kind of looked in the room at you? It was like a lead balloon just kind of hit the ground. So I'd say things out of time and just say it and I'd see everybody go, hmm, a lead balloon just kind of hit the floor. So we need to say, Lord, help me to get time with you where I speak with you. Everybody, humility too in our quiet time. Listen, God wants us to spend time with him. But in our time with God, can I encourage you? My time with God is not to be meant to be thinking about me. And uh, for years, I remember the early years where I'd be telling God, well, Lord, I'm having a quiet time with you. Lord, you really need to be doing this by 3.30. And you really need to do that by next week. And you certainly need to change that pastor and that leader because I don't like working. I don't need to deal with them, God. And I don't know if that one's actually saved. Anyway, but Lord, could you do that? And oh, could you do this? And God, da 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 And then I'd be like, hmm, that's been a good quiet time. Been good hanging out with you, Lord. Come back. And then I would say, the Lord would say, from my quiet time, and I make a pronouncement, and it had nothing to do with God whatsoever. It was me listening to myself and then speaking it out to people. <laughs> That's when, so, I, look, sorry, I'm going to have a good laugh here in a minute. Because, and you should be having a good laugh too, because this is half of you. It's what we, this is what we do. We go and tell the Lord everything, and then come back and say, the Lord has spoken. <laughs> I have, no, I have spoken. No, the Lord has spoken. The Lord has spoken. So I learned to go, Lord, what is really you speaking to me? How do I discern? And once again, the Lord said, Jared, you need to listen to me. Stop talking. And here's what I discovered. When the Lord is talking to you in your quiet time, two things happen. He's always talking. There'll always be two ingredients in the conversation. Humility and sacrifice. There'll be humility and sacrifice. If God is speaking to you, it'll be humbling. He'll be like, you need to forgive that person. Stop talking about them. Okay. And God will say, I'll grace you and help you to forgive right now. All right. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I forgive. Amen. The next one is sacrifice. God will say, you need to go and help serve there. You need to serve your wife. You need to serve your children. Then he'll say, oh, you need to position yourself in my house now to help people. I'm going to take you to a new level. What does that mean, God? I need you to serve on the ushers right now. Um, and you need to work with people. I don't like working with people. God's like, I know, I'm going to grace you. 
and help you to work with people. It's humility, sacrifice. If God's talking, humility, sacrifice. Humility, sacrifice. That's how you'll know. Humility, sacrifice. Love, sacrifice. Forgive, sacrifice. It's not about talking about other people. Whenever I talk about other people to God, God says to me this, I'm not interested. And he says, he doesn't say I'm going for coffee, but I know that he does. God is not interested about me talking about other people. He says to me every time, Jared, I'm working in their life. Leave them to me. But right now I'm working with you. So we need to say, Lord, help me to understand that a quiet time is being in your word, praying, but then listening to God. And if it's God, it's humility and sacrifice for others. That's where, that's where God said to me, here am I, had the most abusive childhood with my father, the, one of the most abusive ever. And God then says to me in my quiet time, start a rehabilitation, like a, a recovery center for men to overcome life-controlling issues and addictions. I'm like, I'm under demonic attack. <laughs> Why would you ask me to do that? God says, because I'm progressing you. Humility. Now I'm asking you at a new level, sacrifice. We, sometimes we say to God, God, you're not helping me. You're not helping me. You're not helping me. You're not helping me. And God goes, I place you in a great church family. Avail yourself of that church family. Sue and I were broken teenagers. We didn't have our parents in church with us. My mum was saved. Nobody else was saved. God says, your family is in the church. Sue and I had to avail ourselves of the church family. So we're like, Lord, where were you? Where were you? And God says, I sent Pastor Jordan. I sent Pastor Luke. I sent Pastor Lauren. I sent Pastor Mario. I sent Pastor Louisa. I sent Pastor Izzy. I sent Pastor Eli. I sent Pastor Spencer. I sent Pastor Stewart or whoever. I've sent all of these people. And they weren't enough. And God's, they're like, oh, no, I don't, not talking about them. And God goes, well, that's who I sent. Because I've been working in their life for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And they're the gifts in Ephesians 4 that I sent that you've been dismissing for 20 years. But I put them there to help you. Humility. See the help. See the people. See the provision. Humility sees provision. Pride never does. So I had to say, Jesus, too, help me, Lord, to stop talking, start listening, because then I'm going to grow in wisdom. Proverbs 26.2 says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes or a woman? What does wisdom look like when we're wise in our own eyes? Here's what it looks like. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, mate, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I know. I'm with you. With you, with you, I know. Feel you, I know. Don't ever be that person. Don't ever be that person. I have to say to myself all the time, you don't know. You still don't know. 40 years next year, I need to keep working on taking the posture of humility and saying, could you say that again? I don't know. I don't know. Let me, let me lean from you. Let me glean. You know you can glean from everybody, but there's definitely some people that God puts around us to glean from. Scripture goes on and says, there's more hope for a fool than for him or her who's wise in their own eyes. I haven't got it together. You haven't got it together. But the greatest thing we can do is to acknowledge that.
You can't counsel pride. Have you ever tried to counsel pride? It's impossible. I know, I know, I know. Oh, look, just go for a coffee. You can't counsel it. People who say, the Lord has told me. I'm like, well, if he's told you, I've got nothing to say. But many times, the people who say, the Lord has told me, are using that as a shield. Because if the Lord has really told you, you're also very open about it. If I say to people ever, I feel the Lord is saying this, I will, majority of the time, unless I'm not realizing I'm doing it, will be saying, but I'm very open to being wrong because I make mistakes and I'm flesh. What do you think? So my friends around the world who I'm in ministry, what do you think? What do you think, my peers, my leaders? What do you think of that? What do you think of that? What do you think of that? Because we, we never get it all right. So like an, like an over-lacquered hairdo, fear and control have got them set. Like an over-lacquered hairdo. Ever sprayed your hair and it's so lacquered or something? And you're like, my goodness, there's a can in there. <laughs> set like concrete. For those of us who have a little bit left. Anyway, but we can be set and not realize we're set. Do you know that many times pride springs from this? This is the key root. Fear becomes control, becomes pride. Fear becomes control, becomes pride. Fear becomes control, becomes pride. So the basis of all of us who, and that was me, was I was having to let my fears go and learning to trust God. Give God, here's my fear. Here's my fear. Here's my fear. The reason you've got walls up, nope, nope, yeah, nope, nope. It's actually not because you're this kind of cool, independent person. You're afraid. So we need to say, Lord, help me. And I've been there. I get it. Lord, help me because as I've let my fear go, my control's dropped off. <laughs> and, uh, and then I'm at peace and joy begins to come. And then God's promotion begins to flow in your life. Humility brings honor, everybody. Humility brings honor. God wants you to have honor. What is honor? Great esteem, great respect, and be celebrated. Hello, God wants you to have great esteem, great respect, and celebrated. One of the things the Lord spoke to me about when the boys were young, when I was pretty still out of control in my life, and God said to me, Jared, you hold your boys' hands in your future. One day you're going to sit at your dinner table. I never sat at the dinner table with my parents. We were just always fighting and yelling. And they said, one day you'll sit at your dinner table and your boys are going to look at you. And dependent on if you lead your life humbly or you just take control, how they look at you will be very different. And God said to me, they're going to look at you with honor and esteem or they're going to look at you as, what was he doing? What's wrong with him? Why did he do that after his parents? So God said, Jared, choose humility so your boys and grandchildren can look at you with honor and esteem. So everybody, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor in Jesus' name. Some people like to be learners. I'll get people that, I want to be a learner. I want to be a learner. Oh, yeah, I want to learn. But they don't want to be teachable. Learning and that desire to learn is totally different to somebody who says, hey, I'm working on becoming teachable. Can I encourage everybody? Say, Lord, help me to become teachable. Because if you become teachable, then you will begin to learn the things of God's kingdom. As I said to Brian, as I, you know, served and said to Brian, you know, help me to, I said to the Lord, help me to do what Brian's saying to do. Help me to lose my independence. Help me to become a team player. 
Help me to stop talking. Help me to stop controlling you, God. Help me to stop controlling people. <laughs> like the whole deal, right? Every time I do it and say, okay, Lord, help me, guess what? I'd take a step and then there'd be revelation. I'd be like, oh my gosh. Lord, I'm now understanding you in a way I never understood you. The Lord would say, amen, and I want to show you so much more. And then I'd say, Lord, I don't really like working with people. I got too burnt in my childhood. God said, I'm with you. Stretch your arms out. Start working with people, loving and serving them. All right, help me, God. Do that. And I'd go, oh my gosh, Lord, the revelation that's come now. The revelation. See, you can go to church and be a Christian and be saved and go to heaven. But the sad thing is you can also in life miss all the revelation that God wants you to have. So down the track, you're just walking in revelation that's just coming as you go through the process of humility and then promotion. So even Friday night, I was sitting here, Pastor Spencer was preaching such a great word. If you haven't got, you need to get his message Friday. It was so good, so helpful, particularly for people who've had addictions. Um, but as he was doing it, once again, I was just like sitting there, 39 years saved, going, the wonder of the Christian life, the wonder of God's house, the wonder of salvation. It was all hitting me afresh. I've been in church on Friday nights for, I don't know, first decade of my salvation. And then the last 20 years, we've had, that's 32 years in Friday night church. I've been there and I'm sitting there going, 39 years of salvation. Wow, Lord. Wow, God. Wow. How amazing are you? Lord, wow, another revelation. Wow, the goodness of God. Wow, that's what you mean about your church. Wow, God, that's what you mean about my life. It was all wow. Everybody, aim for the bullseye. Say, Lord, help me to take this on so that we can cheer you on as God plans to promote you, as He starts to promote you, as He takes you, promotes you in His house in His kingdom, in the community, wherever He wants to go. But let's have under the bonnet of Global Heart Church, when you pull the bonnet up, wow, there's some good health here. God's able to promote because the heart of the house, the heart of the people is good. I just love the fact that with our sponsorship, with our compassion, with the 1,188 children who were actually sponsored, I was like, the heart of generosity and compassion at Global Heart Church. Under the bonnet, it's sweet. Sweet. Let's say, Lord, help us to keep growing in this sweetness because your plan is to promote us. God wants to promote you. Imagine what He wants to do through your grandchildren. I'm looking at little Jolie now going, wow, Lord, you saved me from a broken life. What do you want to do through Joel's life? So much more. But now we're being helping to be a launch pad for him uh, so that he can launch off into his calling two generations later. How good. Can we stand up, everybody? I want to pray for you. Everybody online, I want to pray for you as well. Why don't you just lift your hands to the Lord, everybody? I'm going to pray for all of us that God's going to help us. He's going to help us to become humble. I never say to people, hey, stay humble. You can never assume anybody's humble. I go to bed sometimes slightly humble and wake up proud. 7.10, the alarm's off. I'm up proud. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, help me again, God. Overnight, something jumped on in there and I'm back in control. Help me to give you, Lord, the leadership of my life. You got fears today? Where's all my fearful friends? Don't raise your hands. I know you're here. Where's all the control freaks? Don't raise your hands. I know you're here. 
just say to the Lord, Lord, help me to give it to you. Because that's all I have done. Lord, I'm giving you my control freakiness. Lord, I'm giving you my fears. And in doing that, Lord, I pray that you'll help me to become humble, that you might use my life. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.